0: Welcome to Optimal Health Uncovered. We are a group of health and wellness professionals in the New York metropolitan area where our mission is to empower you to live better. From specific injuries to general fitness trends, diets to sleep habits, our group of specialists are dedicated to bringing you the latest evidence-based research on the topics that matter most. Welcome to this session of Optimal Health Uncovered. Welcome back to Optimal Health Uncovered. I'm Todd Wolkowski. And I'm Mike Beecher. Today we're going to discuss exercise and exercise prescription. Mike, let's dig in a little bit to our average client that comes in on a daily basis pre-COVID. As far as types of exercise, we know that there's a lot of people who are sedentary out there and not exercising a lot. And then we have those that come in who exercise a moderate amount just to keep overall health and wellness And then those who are training for an event or college athlete or professional athlete who are trying to optimize function and really pushing the extremes uh, to their body. Let's dig into a little bit of how you would approach each of these individuals as they come in with exercise prescription. And then, you know, the next step we'll tie it back into what kind of recommendations are we making in today's uh, COVID-19 pandemic environment? What
1: we do in physical therapy, what we do in you know the fitness realm and personal training is we just dose exercises, right? So the drug that I can prescribe more so than anything else as a non-physician is exercise. And I think all the difference between those three buckets of people, the sedentary individual, the moderate exerciser, and the extreme or you know, the athlete who's really in, in current training for an event... Uh, Something of that nature is how much you dose exercise at what given time. So a sedentary individual is gonna get an appropriate dose, but you're going to start slowly. You're going to have to ramp up the moderate exercise. or You may just have to tweak some variables because I find that that, that individual, that range of, of, of person tends to be stuck in, in one form. They're either someone who's doing chronic cardio for a while, or they're, they're only doing resistance training and then we need to mix up and, and do some variety and really focus on what their body is feeling. And we'll talk more about that. Then there's the active individual that's actively engaged in competition. And usually you don't have to dose the exercise. You have to focus more on recovery. You have to taper things back and then you just have to make sure that they're periodizing it appropriately. So if they're in, you know, a active window where they're training hard and they're competing, that they're not on the other side doing intense lifting and hit training all the time. That's when we really need to dose back. If they're in a ramp up phase, then we can get get more specific to that. So I think it just depends upon um, what
0: individual you're dealing with and at what point in time. So let's tackle each one of those. A sedentary individual coming in, a lot of times these people may be (laughs) slightly overweight, very deconditioned. They usually find us because they have some kind of musculoskeletal condition that brings them into the office, present with knee or back pain. We end up looking at the whole patient, uh, take a thorough history, past history, pre-comorbidities, Etc. We do a good physical exam, and then we find that this is an individual that's just very deconditioned. Where are we going to take it?
1: Well, if, if they're cardiovascularly healthy and cleared to exercise, I would kind of start there, just with general recommendations of getting them exercising on a regular basis. You know, from a mild to moderate uh, cardiovascular standpoint, because it could be something as simple as walking. It could be some some hill training, some biking. It doesn't need to be intense. I do think they need to develop some type of a fitness base, and doesn't just need to be. You know, cardiovascular training in the sense of walking or biking, you know, exercising with weights or resistance training is, a, is also going to tax the cardiovascular system. So I think those individuals can fall into those general buckets that the American College of Sports Medicine will say of, you know, moderate intensity exercise uh, for about you know, 150 uh, minutes a week, which generally tends to be, you know, five days a week at 30 to 60 minutes. Or if they're starting in the very beginning, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, maybe a little bit uh, more frequently. So that's where I would start them. And then if they're new to resistance training, teaching them the basics of how to how to lift weights. And when I say weights, it doesn't need to be intense. It could be body weight, right? So how to move your body and focus on form first so that there's not going to be a, a huge injury risk. Um, And then resistance training, you know, two to three days a week. I I tend to get a good fitness space underneath them from a cardiovascular standpoint before we throw on tons of resistance training. But I do think most research will show that the combination
0: of both is is vitally important. I completely agree. I I find the hardest uh, thing with these clients is just getting started. You know, these may have been athletes when they were younger in high school days or college days, and then... You know, life gets away from them they get very busy with their jobs, with kids, and then they find themselves just less active, less active over time. And then finally find their way to our office when they have an, a musculoskeletal issue and sometimes just finding the time for them. Or they think that that 150 minutes they read that in the paper and the news or the reports and they think, oh, that seems like a lot. But when you really break it down 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, it's a good, good way to get started. Let's dig into the next category. You know, your moderately moderate exercise group uh, relatively healthy. they they know what they need to do to stay fit, keep close to an ideal body weight. How do you approach this individual? like you said, sometimes they're just stuck in a rut doing the same thing. How do we really work to optimize their health?
1: Well, I think first is goal, like with anybody, it's goal setting right. so what are they what are they trying to accomplish besides being generally healthy? Are they looking to lose weight? Are they looking to feel better? Are they looking to compete or train for an event that they haven't formally gotten into yet? So it depends on what their goals are. If we define somebody as generally fit, what does that mean? Is Are they cardiovascularly fit, but are they also strong? Can they you know, lift their body weight? Um, can they squat their body weight? There's just general strength parameters that I feel like that's the window that tends to get lost a little bit uh, that predisposes people to injury. So I think I would start with goal setting uh, and I would get a sense of what they like to do, what they have time to do, and are they hitting the three kind of different energy systems that each of our bodies is functioning. And most people, get stuck in, you know, we'll talk about zone training in a, in a bit, but in that zone two or zone three, where they're just doing one thing for a long period of time. And you've, you've seen these individuals at the gym and you may be one of these individuals. I certainly have been at one point in time where, you know, I can run at an X, minute mile pace and I can do so comfortably for 30 minutes. I know it's good for me. So I just do that five to seven days a week. Then the knee pain starts to creep in Then you get bored. Your body actually stops responding to that stimulus because it's the same stimulus over time. That could be a Peloton. You could sub in or sub out any type of mode of exercise, but if you're not progressively overloading your body in some form or fashion, you're just
0: going to stop adapting. So you talk a little bit about energy systems. Why don't you dig into that a little bit?
1: So you have your ATP PC, so just fancy words. Um, you have your adenosine triphosphate and phosphocreatine energy groups. So that's just short bursts. If I'm going to sprint, you know, five five to 15 seconds, something that's fast, I, I use that energy system. So I don't have to metabolize and use uh, oxygen during that time. So that's, that's for the quick burst of energy. You have your anaerobic system, which is you, when you're utilizing oxygen and uh, glucose as your main energy sources. Uh, and then your anaerobic glycolysis, which is when you're not um, using oxygen as much, when you're you're kind of breaking down a different form to get your your glucose stores. So it's just basically the different stimuli create different physiologic responses in your body. Um, we go through each energy system at any on any given day, depending on the individual. There's no one form that's right the, the or wrong. The only thing that's wrong is doing one thing all
0: the time. So we just have to vary it a little bit. Let's hit that third uh, category we spoke of earlier with uh, the high level athlete, someone who may be a collegiate or high school athlete, a pro athlete, or just someone who's training for a triathlon or some kind of race and they've got a goal in their six month training program and it's all mapped out for them. They're training six, seven days a week, pushing themselves hard. How do we approach that individual? There needs to be a metric
1: of kind of how you're waking up
0: each and every day and what your body's
1: ready to do to just assume you can go into any form of exercise or just do what you're supposed to do on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because someone drew it up for you is, is a flawed way to look at it. And I look at it that way for years, kind of used to the soccer mentality or any collegiate sport mentality where your training is laid out by you for you by a strength and conditioning specialist and you kind of just wake up and do what an individual tells you on that day. And then as an adult, just getting into the mindset of every single day, I'm going to push it as hard as I can, because that's kind of what I'm used to. Um, So, and then this, this group falls victim to that, I think more than the other groups that we talked about. So having a window or a look into how your body is functioning on any given day. So for me, I use, you know, the aura ring or, Um, the whoop strap or other, or other wearables to kind of get some data as to where my body's functioning. As now someone who's prescribing exercise or dealing on the injury side with these individuals, just get getting them in the habit of looking at that before they just jump into any type of uh, training routine for, for that given day. So most of the way that I, if I had to generalize how we deal with this population, it's they're already doing enough. It's taking them back from what they're doing because I'm seeing them on the injured side or we're seeing them on the overtraining side, which has some negative effects. So it's giving them a window and in, in some education into you know, not having to do intense exercise every single
0: day i completely agree with you the hardest thing is to really gauge these people back or put the brakes on sometimes just taking a look at the data like you said using your aura ring and what is it showing you day to day and how your body is responding to the stresses you're applying You may think that you want to follow the protocol, but your body may not be agreeing either because you didn't get enough sleep. You had stress in another area of your life. You just, your body's not recovering in the way it needs to. The systems are being taxed. This is a discussion that's always hard to have with, uh, young athletes, uh, sometimes I bring their parents in to talk about it just so they can kind of keep them in check at home. But it's something that they really, I think as the athlete ages, they learn to respect a little bit more. I think when you hear like our professional athletes speak, Someone like LeBron James, who sleeps, I think, 11, 12 hours a day, he he understands the importance of the recovery component. But then you hear his training regimen, he pushes himself hard. So this is definitely something that, you know, it's a fine balancing act. And it's sometimes changing course where pushing yourself really hard is not the the optimal way. Yeah, and
1: I think everybody... All my clients will say they had a number. They hit 30 and then their injury started happening, or they hit 40 and their injury started happening. Everyone's number is a little bit different, but I think the stimulus is all the same, is that they haven't changed their training regimen or their mentality around what their body is now going into it with. So if you look at someone like LeBron, who's able to get 12 hours to 10 to 12 hours of sleep, he's then able to train pretty hard because his heart rate variability is gonna restore all the positive hormones, which we'll talk about, you know, will will be restored. He won't have these stress hormones like cortisol circulating in his body. Um that's not the reality for most individuals, but they try to train like a professional athlete and they have that mentality. Um so I think that's where it needs to to taper back. So for me, going from collegiate sports and into my twenties, now having kids and, and being 35 and, and working a ton and commuting, et cetera, like that it's just different. And you know, it could that stimulus could be an injury happening and then people have that aha moment that okay, something needs to change. Or it could be that you're just blunted in your gains. And that's what I think the biggest piece of education, people don't want to hear as much about how they're going to get injured. But if you go into, okay, why are you doing this in the first place? Why are you exercising? Okay, I want to perform better. I want to look better. I want to feel better. All of those three things I just mentioned will not happen if you're trading, right? So your performance is gonna be blunted. You're actually gonna to start to you know, not have as much fat burning capacity. You're not gonna look any better. You're either gonna look the same or you're gonna look worse because you have circulating cortisol levels which can deposit belly fat, et cetera. Um, and you're not gonna feel better because then you have all these inflammatory markers in your body. So you're actually doing your body harm versus good. So starting to change the mentality a little bit to think about recovery as a mode of exercise into, onto itself. Is, is valuable and that's the biggest change that as as I've made in the past two to three years is viewing it that way that you know sometimes not doing something is way more valuable than just jumping into you know a hit training interval or, or something that feels better you may not get that endorphin release immediately and that is a powerful drug but you will get more energy throughout the day you will feel better and then you'll be able to train that much harder on the next day so starting to think of recovery as exercise deep breathing you know long walks you know low low level activity is vitally important and thinking of it as exercise and not as just kind of a day off is is important.
0: Let's dig into your uh, day or your week training for Michael Beecher here. 35 years old now, you know, as you said, you've transitioned from your college athletic days to working hard in school, finishing up, starting a work career and and then having children. Uh, Talk to us about what your day and your week looks like now as far as your training. Uh, so it depends on how I, how
1: my wearable, how my aura ring kind of dictates that a little bit. So it depends on how I wake up, but in general, if we're saying what I do, I do less and I feel better and I get better results. So that's the biggest thing is that I now don't exercise seven days a week like I used to. Um, and I don't resistance train five days a week like I used to. So I probably resistance train, weight train three days a week and do cardio quote unquote exercise, uh, maybe another three days a week with one to two days of complete rest or recovery. Uh, and that could be on a Wednesday and that can be on a Sunday or a Saturday. So the big change is I used to do Monday through Friday because the work schedule used to be kind of my exercise windows and then weekends I would take off. Um, that was probably because I was younger going out, waking up hungover. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, so now exercise can happen more on the weekends and sporadically I have to take my rest intervals during the work week. So not to get too much into one wearable or the other, whether it be the Oura Ring, Elite HRV, different apps that are out there. When I wake up, I look at my readiness score. Readiness score is generally a combination of how you slept, how your heart rate variability is on any given day, and how your exercise was the previous day. So if you did a lot of activity, you got poor sleep, your heart rate variability is going to be lower. You shouldn't do as much on that day. So that for me would be, the window into how I'm going to perform. So on those days where kind of my readiness score is lower, I'm overtaxed, I either, I I never do nothing. So it would be just generally getting outside, walking, getting some vitamin D, not really getting my heart rate up, you know, listening to a book on tape, podcast, um, going with a friend or a family member, doing it that way. Um, something social, but you can hold a conversation. Uh, for me, you know, I, it could be I like paddleboarding, could be a paddleboard where I'm not really going heavier against the current. I'm just kind of getting out lightly. Um, or it could be a bike ride. So those are kind of my three general modes for that. Um, if it's really like, hey, you're in the red, you're you're at risk. You know, for me, I suffer from migraines. So if I I train too hard or if I'm not listening to my body, then I'm I'm at risk for migraines. Those are the days where I'll do. Deep breathing. Uh, maybe I'll do, you know, a cold a cold plunge, whether it be a cold bath, cryotherapy, um, or a sauna uh, on those days as well. So just kind of mixing in heat or cold, which just gives your body a physiologic stressor without being uh, too much, We're not not going too intense on those days, um, and deep breathing. You know, I think if the biggest take-home could be that everyone should focus on breathing every single day, it's the biggest way to kind of down-regulate your nervous system. So on those days, you know, 10, 15 minutes of breathing doesn't really matter to me which form you're, you're kind of into, uh, we talked about it uh, previously, you know, the the four, seven, eight breathing is kind of what I I do just because I find it easy and I can kind of do it anywhere and just zone out. Um, that's what I'll do on those days. And the days where I'm my readiness score is ready to go, I like to do weight training. I've always liked to do weight training. So I'll mix in weight training with some um, sprint intervals on, on those days. With my weight training, I'm not doing as much variety. I really focus on the key lifts, you know, squats, presses, deadlifts. Uh, things that you get the most bang for your buck, just because time is always a, a constraint. I would never have been someone that enjoyed running long distances. So I'm more in like the three to five mile range. If I was going to go out for a run uh, or a bike ride, I still equate that back to just punishment from soccer. It's like long rides equaled something you've done wrong. So I think there's that negative feedback loop that
0: still exists. You're mature beyond your years as far as taking care of yourself. I didn't start actively you know, training like that, or as you just described, until I was into my 40s when the body really started to break down a little bit. I'm pushing 50 now. My training's a little bit different, but, you know, very similar to yours. Uh, you know, as we age, the ability to maintain muscle mass actually declines. So, uh, as you stated earlier, my goals are pretty much the same as yours. Can I still perform daily activities, do what I want to have fun with my friends and family? Uh, aesthetically, do I still look the way I want to look and overall now leaning more toward the longevity? Can I live a uh, healthy life and be able to do the things I want to do? For me, I want to do them in the 70s and 80s and you know, not have declining health at the end. As far as an exercise program, similar to yours, listening to what my body tells me has been the biggest change that i've made through the last five to ten years i use the aura ring as well the ring gives me baseline data it gives me uh data that i can kind of look at and compare every day but you kind of know how you feel when you get up in the morning did i get enough sleep did i go to bed at the appropriate time for me sleep has been critical you know if i stay in my window get to bed by you know 9 30 10 o'clock every night get up five, six o'clock. I seldom need an alarm clock anymore. Uh, The body wakes up normally. I have a good rhythm. As you were talking about cortisol levels and just hormone levels and balancing, Uh, just found optimal, uh, you know, results in my training and how I feel each day just by keeping things consistent, uh, as far as sleep and not necessarily exercise. I do change it up as you, as you've stated, depending on how my body's doing, I'm doing a lot more longer walks, zone two training, getting the heart rate in an area, uh, where I'm, taxing my system but not overloading my system 45 minute to an hour walk and we'll dig into zone two training in a second here but doing that a couple times a week two to three times a week still with strength training for muscles and just overall optimal muscle and joint health and then alternating as you said you you know punishment was always running same for me uh not a big runner but when i do get out it's a two to three uh, mile run usually once a week to break it up peloton a couple days a week i'll do one high intensity 30 minute workout and then i'll do a power zone workout for 30 to 45 minutes once a week Uh, and then balance that with strength training and then, you know, trying to get out and getting on the golf course once, twice a week and just carrying the bags or just kind of out for a nice four mile stroll with my friends, which is enjoyable, relaxing. So the, the training tends to change as we age. uh, But as you're, as we just discussed, you're 35, I'm 49, you know, almost 15 years difference there. And yet we're training similarly. I think that's a lot to do because we're very well educated on what, what it means to Condition our bodies and respect the not only the exercise but the recovery aspect of it. Uh, Let's let's change gears a little bit. We're in this COVID pandemic time, people. It's probably 60 days now that we've been living with the restrictions of stay at home guidelines. This changed people a lot as far as. What they do in their day-to-day, their normal routines have completely been disrupted. Some people are at home and they're not eating as well as they should. They're exercising differently or they don't have access to their local health club. What do we do when we take those three groups, the sedentary group, the the group in the middle that exercises on a regular basis and the high-level athletes? What I've been doing with my clients is, you know... I'm bringing the sedentary people to the middle and having them exercise a little bit, and I'm bringing my high-level athletes down a little bit to not push their body quite as much. Let's dig into that a little bit and your feelings on uh, what we do with athletes or just individuals right now who come in and either aren't exercising or exercising too much. And what do we, what do we need to do with these people uh, as we're trying to make sure our immune systems stay as strong as possible?
1: So I think you, you hit it. You try to bring most everyone to the middle. I think we've talked about zone training a couple of times, so maybe we should define that first. So there's different zones that people will define, you know, zone one is very light exercise, 50 to 60% of your maximum heart rate. Uh, zone two would be light, Uh, exercise 60 to 70% of max heart rate. Zone three would be 70 to 80. Zone four, 80 to 90. Zone five, you're pretty much going all out 90 to 100%, right? And then we talk about max heart rate. Historically, the metric people use is 220 minus your age. Not the most accurate. More accurate, if you're looking to just calculate it easy, uh, 208 minus 0.7 times your age. You can find that online, but 208 minus 0.7 times your age is kind of a general guideline. So that's if you're looking at just cardiovascular fitness. So you've heard us say zone one, zone two, a little bit. So now I just uh, just wanted to define that for everybody. So if for... Getting back to your question, I think most people during this epidemic, if your goal is to improve your immune function and, and at least not to have a depressed immune function, staying more towards zone two, staying more in that lighter exercise more frequently, you can definitely go into zone three. You can certainly go into four and five. You just don't want to be there every day, right? So, you know, trying to taper exercise because your body does need to recover a little bit more. Once you get into zone three, four, and five, you're going to get more uh, intentional inflammation, right? So we always talk about inflammation as a bad thing, but inflammation is a stimulus just like any other that induces positive changes in your body if dosed appropriately. If you're dosing it every single day and you're going into zone four and five and you're never allowing your body to recover, you're going to stay in a chronically inflamed state, right? So zone three, four, five is going to lead a little bit more to inflammation. And if you're not giving your body on subsequent days time to recover, you're going to stay in that inflamed state, right? And it's been documented and proved in in a bunch of different studies. You have a lot of bad things happen. So, you know, I get a lot of people asking me about this antibody test, um, you know, IgG versus IgM. So IgG is immunoglobulin G, IgM is immunoglobulin M, right? The reason I mention that is it's just kind of topical right now. So these are antibodies that fight infection. And if you're exercising too hard and you're overtraining, those antibodies will be depressed, they'll be decreased. So your body's natural ability to fight off infection is decreased, right? So that that's bringing people towards the middle will help them recover a little bit better, Um, so I think that's where you get most people, the sedentary people you need to kick in the butt, the, the people that are, you know, seven day a week CrossFit or seven day a week, just intense exercise, um, need to have some days where they're doing a little bit less. And I think more time for some people has led, I've been fall fell victim of this last week. I found myself working out for like three to four hours. You have more time and you just start doing more and that's not necessarily the right thing to do. Um, so everyone's a little bit different, but finding that balance in terms of frequency dosing
0: is all important. Give me some examples of how someone can uh, train in zone two.
1: So, so the easiest way to train in any of these zones is not to guess and to actually look at your heart rate. So that's one thing I encourage everyone to do is get a heart rate monitor. If, it, if it's a wearable, like an aura ring or a Fitbit, you can, you can look at that. The, the polar chest strap is, is very well researched and documented. So I do use that and train that. That's a change I made probably two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, so that's one thing I would recommend is don't guess that as to what zone you're in, actually have the data. Um, don't get obsessed with it, but just look at it and just see where you are and where you're recovering. And there's so much, uh, technology out there to allow you to do that. So staying in 60, to 70%. So generally that, and that could vary for, for everyone, for someone who uh, is recovering from an injury that was bedridden, that could be getting up and walking, could put them into zone two, three, four or five, you know? So it, it's hard to say that one form of exercise put you in a zone cause your body's going to respond a little bit differently. So I guess the most accurate answer to the question is don't guess like wear a heart rate strap or use a wearable to see where your heart rate is. But in general, if you're, you're an individual who does exercise three to five days a week, you're generally fit zone two, you know, can be something like a walk on Hills. It could be something like a light jog for some individuals. Um, the, the fitter individuals can run into that a little bit. If you some, someone who runs marathons, that could just be a shorter clip for you. So it's, it does, vary based on the individual. So again, I, I, not to be beat a dead horse, but you know, don't guess, you know, use something like a a wearable or a heart rate strap that allows you to dive into that a little bit greater.
0: And I think it's uh, to the point of you got to find something that you like to do, whether if you are an athlete and you are gauging back, it doesn't mean stop running. It means just go out and decrease your pace a little bit get a, get a little bit more comfortable with a slower pace and not as much stress on the heart so you're not putting the oxidative load on on the body. Talk to me as we wrap up here about some exercise hacks or tips or secrets that you might have. So I think we touched on a few. I mean,
1: I, don't, I wouldn't consider it a hack but just use data to your advantage, right? So don't guess, wake up and and use something to see what your, how your body's functioning on any given day. During your exercise, use heart rate to kind of guide what you're going to do next. Know that resistance exercise, we talk about these zones, that's not just specific to running or cardiovascular or you know getting on an elliptical. And that's t- kind of how I hear people talking about it. Resistance exercise is exercise just like any other and a attacks your cardiovascular system. So if I'm deadlifting, I'm in zone five, my heart rate is max. And then on my recovery, I'm usually resting back to zone two, for example, right? So you could use resistance exercise as a form of cardio. And that's one, I guess, not, not hack, but, and I don't think it's a secret, but I don't think enough people know about it. I think that more people need to think of resistance exercise as cardiovascular exercise. And as just if Time is everyone's biggest constraint. So the most bang for your buck, I I think I mentioned this, uh, is going to be your bigger movements, multi-joint movements like squats, like burpees, deadlifts. Um, And when I say deadlift, obviously it has dead in the name, so everyone's inherently scared of it. It doesn't have to be a lot of weight. It could be a little old lady picking up something from the ground that's of of substantial weight. It doesn't need to be what you see on TV or, or someone breaking a world record. So those movements give you the most bang for your buck in the standpoint of hitting multiple muscle groups. and. There's also a lot of uh, what we call androgen receptors in your legs, which is going to trigger testosterone and, and good growth hormone and good positive hormones to be kicked in. Um, so don't don't skip leg day is another tip or secret, and I joke with a lot of people about it, but no one likes doing legs. Um, it doesn't need to be heavyweight, but it just could be body weight squats. You get the most bang for your buck. Um, And don't be afraid to sprint, don't go right into it, you will get injured, but don't always get at one pace. Our bodies are designed to go at different speeds, evolutionary standpoint, we always ran from predators. So that's what triggers the most again of those, those positive hormones to kick in. So if you're limited in time, you know, some sprint intervals, whether it be sprinting over ground, like a a run or on a peloton, do something where you're getting your heart rate up and then recover it back down. And when you're recovering it back down, you know, don't, don't get locked into set intervals, recover down to when, where a specific heart rate level should be. So you want to get back to, you know, from zone five, from a a nice intense interval, get back towards zone two, where
0: you're, you know, only, you know, at a 50 to 6% of your, your max heart rate. Great information there. Thanks for your time today, Mike. This has been a great discussion about exercise and really applying it to the the times we're living in right now with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Look forward to our next chat. Thanks for listening to this episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. If you have questions for us or want to hear about something specific in an upcoming episode, send an email to podcast at performance-pt.com and be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more tips on optimal health.